Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will take a look at how Frankfurt's loss is Hans' gain, while I review Australian startup Bonza's route plans. I'll discuss the Airbus A220-500, while Joe sees what's the latest on the Dreamliner issues. Finally, Tom will explore how you could soon own a part of Emirates' first Airbus A380. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to talk about an issue that is very dear to my heart. Um, oh, don't we know it, Tom? <laughs> um, I was, well, you know, like you know me, I love looking through my data. Um, I was looking through data. Uh, I don't even know what prompted it, but I kind of somehow looked through routes ending at Frankfurt and routes starting at Hahn, which I will refuse to uh, associate with my city because it's about 10 kilometers closer to Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems that Ryanair is set to shuffle around half of its Frankfurt flights back to Hahn. Of course, it always used to fly to Hahn before it flew to Frankfurt. Um, and... This is all happening because there was a row over fees between the low-cost carrier and the airport and um, the airlines basically pulling out at the end of March. So, um, you know, I'm just going to reiterate the point that this airport is closer to Luxembourg than Frankfurt. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's 100 kilometers away from Frankfurt, but only about 89 from the center of the city of Luxembourg. And if you think it's even closer to the border of Luxembourg, um, (laughs) it's not in the same federal state as Frankfurt. But, you know, I could keep going on and on. And um, (laughs) apologies to the the Hahn Airport team for that. Um, It's a great airport. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, the whole Frankfurt name is a bit of a misnomer. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because according to scheduled data from our friends over at Sirium, Ryanair is currently operating 17 routes out of Frankfurt's primary airport. And uh, according to the data, only one of these is served as well from Hahn. And this is Tenerife Reina Sofia. Mm. Um, The remaining 16 airports are only served from Frankfurt. And it's quite interesting because it seems that half of these are going to transfer across to Hahn. These Mm. are Alicante in Spain, Barcelona in Spain, Catania in Italy, Dublin in Ireland, Faro in Portugal, Stansted in the UK, Milan, Bergamo in Italy and Parma de Mallorca. Um, The other half are set to end from a Frankfurt airport for the foreseeable future. So these are Lanzarote, Mm. Spain, Malaga, Spain, Athens, Greece, Brindisi, Italy, Fuerteventura, Spain, Gran Canaria, Spain, Krakow in Poland and Valencia in Spain. And it's worth noting that um, these routes are ending from a Frankfurt airport, whereas uh, including Hahn in that. So, you know, they could be moving to, say, Cologne or Baden-Baden, but I didn't have the time to go through all the data for every single airport in Germany. Mm to find out if they're moving elsewhere. Um, But it is kind of interesting because why is Ryanair leaving Frankfurt Um, other than to really annoy me and get loads of podcast time? (laughs) (laughs) It's over a row in airport fees and they've basically argued that the airport should be offering it special rates to incentivize aviation's recovery. Uh, Meanwhile, the airport isn't um, arguing that it's 
it needs the money to to recover itself. Um, and you know, it said um, it gave us quite a long statement before about how the fees are justified. I'm not going to read that all now, but um, it's over on Simple Flying. Um, so Ryanair basically said that it's got no alternative but to leave Frankfurt Hahn, uh, Frankfurt Airport, over the issue. So it's going to operate its final flight to Germany's busiest airport on March 31st, and it is offering all flight crew positions at other bases across Europe. So um, it's not saying anyone's got to be fired, but it is saying you know you might have to take a bus to work. That take two hours <laughs> oh um, dear but you know it could be a boon for Han airport because um the move basically it may create difficulties for many passengers although um it's interesting i did see that my story was shared on a expats in germany facebook group and quite a few were like oh this is going to be really convenient because we live right next to Han." <laughs> <laughs> so it's great if you live right next to Han, but it's also great for the airport because uh you know Ryanair's Frankfurt Hahn schedule peaked in 2007 with 13,879 flights scheduled from the airport that year. Mm. And the numbers have been going down ever since, including in 2020, although we'll ignore 2020 because it's not... Not um, the same. Not really the same, but mm. in 2019... Um, the airport handled just 3,524 Ryanair flights. So that's a decrease of around 10,000 in the space of, you know, 12 years. Um, so the reintroduction of the eight services is clearly going to be good for the airport. It's going to, uh, it's got 4,355 flights from Ryanair this year. And, uh, you know, it, I feel like the airport might need it because last October, um, it was actually ruled insolvent by a German court and it's remained operational in the meantime. But uh, I believe the administration process is still on, ongoing. Mm. Oh, good news for Hahn, bad news for Frankfurt. But the question I mean, on everyone's lips, Tom, is whether you are going to be taking the 100-kilometre drive to Hahn to catch your Ryanair flight back to London, <laughs> or if you're going to switch allegiances now that they've left. Well, <laughs> you know, I've actually been giving this a lot of thought, and I think I might actually instead be going up to Cologne, um, which is slightly further but easier to get to, uh, and then taking mm. a Ryanair flight from there, because... You know, if you put it into perspective, I either have to take an extra journey in Frankfurt or then I go to Heathrow or Gatwick and there's an extra journey in the UK. So, you know, why mm. not do it on the first half? Are there any other low-cost carriers at Frankfurt anymore? Because EasyJet left as well, didn't they? Yeah, um, EasyJet left, Wiz left... Um it's a tough one. There's a, well, you've got like the likes of Pegasus, if you're mm. going to include them as a low-cost carrier, and some other um, sort of littler ones like that. But you know, not really. Not the big three, um, three anymore. Yeah. Oh, None shame. Of them. Oh well, I wish Frankfurt all the best of luck in securing a new low-cost carrier. Maybe mm. uh, there's a new entrant that wants to place its flag in the sand over there but uh, mm. a bit further away from you there is a new low-cost carrier starting up um, that's down under in Australia uh, because the new airline that calls itself Bonza if you guys have missed that what a great name has revealed its initial routes for the start of operations um, this is actually the first new airline to launch in Australia since Tiger Airways in 2008 so uh, you know it's attracting quite a lot of attention not just in Australia but internationally as well um, so all in all, last week, they announced 25 routes that will connect 16 different airports. Um, they're going to have a base at Sunshine Coast Airport with two aircraft initially. Um, that will mm. also be the head office for the new airline. And it's going to launch with a second base already um, also with two aircraft in situ, which will be at Melbourne. 
Mm. Um, so the 25 routes, I mean, you know, you read out some of these and if you don't know Australia very well, you've probably never heard of them, but they include the following destinations, Albury, Avalon, Bundaberg, Cairns, Coffs Harbour, Gladstone, Mackay, Melbourne, Mildura, Newcastle, Port Macquarie, Rockhampton, Sunshine Coast, Tawooma Well Camp, Townsville and the Whitsunday Coast. Um, so its first five delivered aircraft, which should all be in place by the end of this year, will be servicing these 25 routes. And this is very much like a, a Breeze-esque model, if you like. And it's one that's worked well for low-cost carriers all over the world, actually. Um, mm. So they're looking for routes that are either underserved, as in they haven't got enough choice or there's not very many um, frequencies or just one airline serving them or are completely unserved. So they're generating markets where markets don't exist. Obviously, that takes the competition out of the equation, which is welcome. Um, but you've also got a question whether they're actually going to work at all. Uh, because, you know, you've got some very well-established players down under. Um, and you'd think if there was a business case for flying these routes, particularly with something as big as the 737, Qantas would have been all over it many years ago. Um, but anyway, these guys think that they found the gems amongst the rocks, I guess. Mm. Um, so they also gave some ver some details on their business operations. So they're looking at going to kind of digital first. I think this is something we've seen with it's lots of... a bit like of, Breeze. Yeah, lots of startup airlines. And it's kind of the natural way to go now. But they, mm. by doing that, they kind of cut out all that expensive and time-consuming junk that legacy airlines still have to deal with. Um, mm. So they're going to be completely paperless. They're going to have a bespoke app on which to book and discover flights. Um, anyone who downloads the app in the next couple of months will also find opportunities to win free flights and will be the first to be offered sales and discounts. Um, in terms of how much it's going to cost, um, the CEO, Tim Jordan, said that pricing would be in line with Jetstar and it would typically be about half the price of full service airlines that would be that are currently flying any of its planned routes. But, you know, mm. of course, it's not got competition on an awful lot of its planned routes. Um, so all of its routes are currently focused on the East Coast. Um, Mildura and Cairns are kind of the furthest it's going to go west um, in the north and the south. Um, and from its base at the Sunshine Coast Airport, it's going to be flying 37 flights a week. 83% of these are brand new, i.e. zero competition. And 92% do not have any service by a low-cost airline. Mm. Um, so this is exciting for Australians. You know, it's more choice. And I think, you know, there's been a long-standing joke that sometimes it's cheaper to fly to Bali than it is to fly to wherever it is your mum lives just up the country. So mm. um, really exciting new um, new stuff here. Um, the exception to this is flights out of Melbourne. Uh, there they've only got 63% of brand new routes. So I guess that's, you know, just a symptom of how many flights Melbourne actually has. Um, but still 88% are not served by a low-cost carrier. Um, so it's found a bunch of unserved destinations hiding amongst all the noise going out of Melbourne. Um, mm. All in all, it will be the low-cost carrier on its routes for the very first time in 96% of its planned operations. And mm. um, the total tally of unserved routes is 80%. So like you said, it's very much like Breeze. It's very much looking at the same sort of model, you know, connecting those cities that aren't served with a direct connection at all. Mm. Um, they'll be plying the routes with the 737 MAX, uh, MAX 8 Not to any. start with. Not um, any MAX 8. <laughs> I don't think they're getting the 200, are they? They are. Yeah, they oh, are. are they? They're getting the okay. 200, like Ryanair. Um, <laughs> nice. Circling back. That's why I'm excited. <laughs> I know their owners um, 
triple seven partners, which is always mm. bizarre because triple seven partners are very much an investor in the low cost side of things. And obviously, low cost airlines tend not to fly triple seven. Mm. So we always get a bit confused with our headlines. But um, yeah. they, they also own Flair Airlines, which is the mm. Canadian low cost that's been around for like, I think about 15 years now on and off. Um, but they went through a massive rebrand and, and those guys are getting some of the maxes and these guys are getting some of the maxes. So mm. um, yeah, I guess they are getting the 200s. I know if you say so tom it must be true because you're like the biggest 200 fan in the world <laughs> yeah still haven't flown on one though it's it's heartbreaking oh disappointing maybe cologne mm. will have one for you maybe. Um, but to round off this little segment um just to let you guys know that we will be interviewing bonza's ceo tim jordan for our next future flying webinar um i don't have a precise date on that yet we're still discussing it with the airline but you heard it here first so keep an eye on simpleflying.com and mm. uh, we'll be sure to let you know when we've got that locked in. Well, speaking of important people in important aviation companies, I wanted to talk a little bit about Guillaume Fauré, who's the CEO of Airbus. And I had the chance to sit in on Airbus's annual press conference last week, which, um, you know, it starts with numbers. And then the big thing that everyone's really interested about is the Q&A. And, um, you know, I knew that everyone was going to be asking about Qatar Airways and Airbus. So I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something different. And um, I circled back to the A3, uh, A220-500 stretch. And I wanted to know about this because last summer, Airbus's uh, chief commercial officer, Christian Scherer, revealed that he wanted to, or the company, like are planning a stretched A220-500, but they want to let the existing variants reach their cruising altitude first. So I asked Fori, <laughs> what, what does that mean? What is the cruising altitude of the A220 as it is now? When are we going to hear more about a stretch? And, um, you know, I was not able to get a full answer to the question, but, you know, he he told me that um, it will be a very good version of the A220 and they're not at the cruising altitude of the A220 program. They're gaining altitude, but they do have the target to break even on the A220 program by the middle of the decade, so around 2025. Mm. And they're sort of in the um, their main focus right now is ramping up production. So they want to um, produce 14 aircraft each month by uh, 2025, and this is going to be 10 in Mirabel, where the home of the A220 is, and another four each month at Airbus's US plant in. Mobile Alabama. So, you know, exciting. We've got to come up, kind of wait. Um, I think, you know, I think it was wishful thinking to get anything more than that. But, um, you know, it, it's worth asking anyway, because um, if you don't ask, you don't get. But one thing that I did find quite interesting is um, I looked into some data from our friends over at Air Insight. And, you know, I looked at how this aircraft is going to compete with the A320neo and the 737 MAX because, you know, right now, Air Baltic's A220-300s, they carry 145 passengers, and it's been suggested that the A220-500 would have the capacity to carry a sort of equivalent amount of passengers to the A320neo or the 737 MAX, um, MAX 8. So I wanted to look at the numbers because our friend Addison at Air Insight, he's compiled loads of data. Um, and I was looking at the fuel use per hour data from the US airlines. And according to their data, the A320neo currently uses around 810 gallons of fuel per hour. The A220-100 uses around 655 and the 300 only uses around 670. So that's... 
definitely like a hundred, if not more, um, gallons fewer per hour per aircraft is. You know, it may not sound like a lot, but if you multiply that over a whole fleet over a whole year, that's a significant fuel saving. And fuel、mm. is money in the aviation industry. So,、mm -hmm. um, you know, I think from my point of view, Airbus not launching the A220 500 right now. It's partly to let the current plane get to its cruising altitude, but I think it's also to let the A320neo have its moment to shine because it seems like it will. Become slightly less popular as soon as we have a stretched A220, assuming that these numbers continue to hold up. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the A220 500 will be the death of the A320, but it's not the end of the A320 family because、mm. you know Airbus has got a superb product in the A321 Neo. Um, which does do amazing things in terms of fuel economy and、um, you know passenger capacity. So、um, maybe、mm. that's the way it will go, and maybe then we could even start asking Airbus about an A three two two, which、yeah. uh, would be the kind of middle of the market, even more stretched, a bit Boeing seven five seven three hundred esque aircraft.、Um, mm. But you never know.、Um, I think we're still a way way off there. Yeah, I mean it's it's a long way off, and I think at this point it's wishful thinking. But I think you know the the A two twenty five hundred is more certain to fly one day. I feel than the A three eighty freighter at this point. So, <laughs> well, that's something that I would not、yeah. bet against you on, Tom.、Um, so <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that everybody was asking about Qatar and the A three fifty because everyone seems to have forgotten about the other wide body that's got some serious issues ongoing Wait, right now. Wait, there's another wide body. <laughs> so Boeing has not delivered any new seven eight seven Dreamliners since last May, I think it was. I think、um, it's. I think it's actually June, but it was only like one right at the start of June or something like that. Yeah. It's off the top of my head.、Uh, so end of spring last year, let's say,、um, and even、mm. then it had only been delivering them again after pausing deliveries previously、um, for about three months. So、mm. it's been you know over a year that they've not been able to get any new seven eight sevens out of the door,、um, mm. and work is still ongoing with the FAA to、um, get the aircraft. Back to a state where it can be delivered to its customers,、mm. um, but the FAA has been has begun to reveal the conditions under which the current restrictions can be removed.、Uh, most notably, last week the FAA said it intends to remove Boeing's right to self-certify the planes. Um, mm. So this was reported by Dominic Gates、um, in the Seattle Times, who was shot to fame really with the 737 Max debacle, one of my aviation journalist heroes.、Um, mm. But he uncovered that the FAA informed Boeing that when it does approve the resumption of deliveries, the Federal Aviation Administration will be making the inspections itself. So the final sign-off on every newly built 787 will be done by the FAA before the aircraft can be handed to the customer. Um, in the past, of course, Boeing has been able to issue its own airworthiness certificates for newly built aircraft, and that's not really anything unusual. You know, final certification is routinely delegated,、um, mm. but all of this comes out of production issues identified by the FAA in recent months,、um, and it is going to see that power revoked from the U.S. manufacturer. Um, in a statement, the FAA said that this would allow the agency to confirm the effectiveness of measures Boeing has undertaken to improve、mm. the 787 manufacturing process. So it's not a resumption of deliveries, but it is a step along the path path to resuming deliveries.、Um, Boeing isn't expected to start delivering new Dreamliners until probably the spring or possibly even early summer.、Mm. Um, 
And a spokesperson told us that they absolutely respect the FAA's role as the regulator and that they'll continue to work transparently through their detailed and rigorous process, basically saying, we agree, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, But on the, on the upside of this, the FAA doesn't intend to retain certification rights forever. Um, it said that it would return the right to Boeing once their quality control and manufacturing processes consistently produce 787s mm. that meet its standards. Um, it also wants to make sure that Boeing has a robust plan in place for all the reworks that need to be done um, for all the 787s that are in storage and that mm. the delivery processes are stable. So, um, you know, Boeing's got quite a, a, a large hill to climb, shall we say. Yeah. Um, you I know, think they they're capable of doing a, it, though. Yeah, there's you a know, lot it's... of there's a lot of dreamliners in story, mm. um, story storage <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm just obsessed with stories and articles today. <laughs> um, so you know, they do have a lot to get out the door. They've still got a lot to get on with, um, but it's a step on the road in the right direction. And I really do think that before the summer, we will see those planes starting mm. to arrive with their customers again. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've got my fingers crossed for uh, Boeing and their. Um, their customers. Um, I wanted to wrap up by talking about my favorite plane or one of them, the A380, because um, I haven't spoken about it on a podcast for a while, I think, although it's our listeners are probably going to disagree. Tom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> listeners will probably disagree. But, you know, we love it when there's an interesting and rare aircraft that gets a sim uh, second life here at Simple Flying and upcycling seems to be the way to do it. So last year, we reported that Emirates had plans to upscale, upcycle its oldest A380 breathe <laughs> having removed it's so exciting um, having removed it from service so while parts of the aircraft were available to be pre-ordered at the last year's Dubai Air Show and we saw them uh, it, you know they haven't launched a public sale yet and it was interesting because I got to uh, catch up with Falcon Aviation Aircraft Recycling who have dismantled the A380 at Dubai's Al Maktoum International Airport, which you may know as Dubai World Central. So rather than sending most of the plane's skin to be turned into soda cans, they've turned it into mementos. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, we often see um, skin tags made from bits of airplane. It's not a new concept, but I feel like Falcon Air um, Aircraft Recycling, they've really gone... Um, to the next level with these, you know, during its lifetime, A6 EDA, it visited 62 airports from Abu Dhabi to Zurich, and they've created 380 tags for each of the airports that the plane visited. So, you know, on the front of each tag, you've got the standard, um, a standard thing across the whole range, and it shows the aircraft achieved 6,319 landings at 62 different airports. It shows that the plane was in service from August 2008 to April 2020, and it also shows that it carried 2.1 one million passengers while flying 55,863 hours, which is the equivalent of 6.37 years. So, you know, th that's, that's the front and it's not groundbreaking, but you know, they all share this, but the difference is that each run of 380 tags has a distinct rear side. Um, on the interior, um, collectors, they'll find information about their specific destination. So for example, the Bangkok um, tag, it will say um, 
the limited edition out of that range of 360 so maybe you get 125 out of 380 um it will tell you that the first flight of this aircraft to bangkok airport was the 3rd of june 2009 and it will tell you that the plane completed 143 landings at bangkok which compares to um a single figure digit at lax of four so you know it's it's quite interesting because it not only does it allow people to own a piece of a plane but they can also kind of personalize it to them assuming it's still in stock so you know i'm quite keen to get one and i would get a frankfurt one for example um you might want an lhr one um I think it's quite interesting, though, because they've really put a lot of effort into the presentation of the tags. So each one's coming protected in a collector's box, along with a certificate of authenticity for the airline. And, um, you know, you've still got to wait a little bit longer until you can get your hands on them, because I was speaking to the director of the company, Andrew Tonks, and he revealed that um, the tags will go on sale online sometime during March or April, and they're going to be priced at 250 AUD plus VAT. I like that rhyme. Um, <laughs> and that's around $68. So it's uh, maybe a little bit more than a competitor, but you know you're also getting the box and the certificate of authenticity. So I think um, for such a historic aircraft, it's probably worth it. And, mm. you know, a portion of the profits from the sale of each of the items is going to the Emirates Airline Foundation anyway. So it's for a good cause. It's not just a moneymaker. Mm. Um in the meantime, there were a couple um, that were taken to the MRO Middle East conference that took place on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Um, so maybe you got one if you were there, but um, if not, you know, just keep your fingers crossed. And of course, we will tell people as soon as they can get pieces of these planes. Mm. Um, well, once on Tom's bought his anyway. Yeah, yeah I was, I was going to make that joke and you stole it from me. Stole it. <laughs> but yeah, um, so just keep watching Simple Flying and once I've secured mine, then I'll open the floodgates. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, they are very nice. Do check them out yeah. on the website because they look super cool. They're, they're hmm. just a bit a bit nicer than the ones that are, you know, generally Others. for sale with yeah. the, the nice box and the, the double printed mm. thing and everything. So Although best I of luck getting yours, Tom. Tags equally. Yeah, yes. thank you. Um, Frankfurt <laughs> or LHR, I guess I could put up with. <laughs> or maybe Gatwick, because I've flown Emirates from Gatwick, but I don't know oh. if that one's been to Gatwick. No, we'll <laughs> have to wait and see. Mm. Well, I think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>